Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ag Innovation News Podcast, presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. I'm Dan Scogan, Director of Government and Industry Relations for AURI. Now, guests on the Ag Innovation News Podcast will shed light on innovations and value-added agriculture, highlight important voices and work that's being done throughout the Minnesota ag sector, and educate the public about resources and organizations that support Minnesota agriculture. Today, we get a chance to visit with Deputy Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, Andrea Vobble. Deputy Commissioner, welcome to the Ag Innovation News Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. It's a pleasure. I just want our listeners to know that the Deputy Commissioner joined the Minnesota Department of Agriculture in 2013 and was appointed Deputy Commissioner in September of 2018. Her current duties include internal oversight of many of the core agency functions, including finance and budget, human resources, communications, information technology, government affairs, emergency preparedness and response, data practices, diversity and inclusion, and legal affairs. Prior to appointment to Deputy Commissioner, Bob will serve as the agency's Legislative Affairs Director and as an Assistant Commissioner. And that is a very busy business card, if you got all of that on there, Deputy Commissioner. Thank you. Yeah, I have a really big business card just to accommodate all of that. Now, having said all of that, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about your current role at the Department of Agriculture? Absolutely. Thanks again, Dan and AURI, for having me as a guest. It's really an honor to be asked to be a part of this. And and so, again, I'm very grateful. When I came to the department, it's now been 10 years as of a a couple weeks ago. I had no idea what a deputy commissioner was or what they did. And obviously, I learned over time, and it's just an absolute honor to serve in this role. So the deputy generally is someone who kind of runs the agency. So uh, the commissioner, of course, is appointed by the governor. And we have the amazing Tom Peterson as commissioner. I believe he's been a guest on this in the past. And he has a very important role of really being out and about all over the state, talking with legislators, sort of leading and making decisions about the overall strategic direction of the agency. And so I'm really there to assist in a number of ways. So I can go to events in the commissioner's stead if, if he is unavailable or elsewhere at the time. I also, you know, just make sure that we're paying our bills on time, that our budgets are correct, that we have the people resources that we need to keep the agency running. I'm also in charge of just making sure that legislatively we're getting what we need at at the legislature, that we are communicating. Our Office of Emergency Preparedness and Response is, is operating to its full capacity, an amazing legal team, and so forth. So I'm really there to make sure that our agency is is running to its its full capacity and to really assist the commissioner in all of the things he'd like to see happen over the the tenure that he's there. And I think one thing that's very clear from the outside looking in is that this particular Department of Agriculture, which serves under the governor and is a regulatory and enforcement piece of agriculture in Minnesota, but they don't do it from their cubicles at the department. We see you and the commissioner and staff out at a lot of different places every week. Absolutely. Try and be everywhere. I wish there was about 12 of us to just be uh, anywhere and everywhere because there are so many amazing things happening around the state related to agriculture. We wish we could be everywhere. But yeah, it's really important for us to be out and talking to farmers and the people that we serve to make sure we're hearing how the services we are delivering are, are working for them or maybe how they're not working for them. And it's a really good way to find out what everybody's dealing with each day and how we as a department can be uh, proactive about getting the resources people need you know, now, but well into the future as well. 
Well, I have two or three different topics I'd like to cover today while I have an opportunity here on our podcast, but I'm going to start with value-added because value-added agriculture, obviously a very important piece for AURI and uh, our podcast listeners. So let's just start by asking what the state of Minnesota, in your opinion, is uh, doing with value-added agriculture today. I first and foremost have to say what an incredible partner AURI is. I'm not just saying that because you asked me to be on your podcast. I'm saying it because it's, it's really a true statement. The opportunities that exist in value-added agriculture is just, just immense. I mean, so much opportunity and, and innovation, particularly in Minnesota over the last couple of years. And the department's really tried to figure out how we can be helpful in, in growing those ideas that producers and business owners come to us with but also maybe how to help them grow as businesses if there's a way that we might be hindering their ability to grow and and innovate. So we're always thinking about those things as well. I think one of the things we've tried to do is really be a financial resource. So we've grown out of our Agricultural Growth Research and Innovation Fund, AGRI, as as many people know it. We've really tried to grow our value-added agriculture grant program out of that. So we have, again, put a lot of dollars into that to, to make sure that we're having maximum opportunities for people to, to capitalize on that. But also we're also thinking about in terms of reviewing those grants, how we get people who really understand what we need to be thinking about again into the future for, for value-added agriculture. Again, also sort of the, the research side is, is really a key piece. Again, out of our agri-grant program, we have a number of research projects and, and um, ideas coming out of there. And also kind of trying to identify, again, some of the barriers that producers and businesses are facing whether it be you know, supply chain issues or co-packing or cold storage or commercial kitchens or, or anything like that. And we also hear a lot about that through our Minnesota Grown program. We have a, a number of members out of, out of that program, and they're really good about telling us kind of what things they're thinking about and how the agency can be helpful in furthering those goals. And Deputy Commissioner, I think you're starting to lean into my next question a little bit. AURI has internal discussions about value-added agriculture and things that are starting to emerge and things that we should keep our eye on. How about at the Department of Agriculture? Is there anything emerging right now that you're talking about internally that may be the next big thing or something that you want to make sure the agency is ready to address? So exciting. I mean, as you all well know at AURI, there's so many exciting things that I just could never have even conceptualized that are coming reality. A number of things come to mind. One is, you know, some of the exciting things coming with sustainable aviation fuel. You know, obviously we, we really want to do what we can to decarbonize the transportation sector. Aviation is a, a big piece of that. A lot of people don't think about, they really think about passenger vehicles mostly, but the aviation check sector is a, is a big piece of that as well. And they're looking for alternatives to really make sure they're meeting their greenhouse gas emission goals as, as some of these big companies, particularly like Delta here in Minnesota. So there's certainly opportunities there within alternative fuels. Sustainable aviation fuel is one that we're really interested in and know that there's a lot of opportunity here in Minnesota to be a leader and a hub. The market for that's only going to grow significantly. Things like industrial hemp and cannabis, of course, as we're having those conversations. AURI has been a big leader in, in building out the processing opportunities there for industrial hemp growers. And I know that there's just only more uses that people are coming up with every day. So that's certainly something we've been thinking about. Of course, other new crops that that are popping up here and and things that are happening with perennial grains or winter annuals, the uh, opportunities that exist for, again, various oil seeds. There's just a lot of things happening also with things like green ammonia. There's just so many things popping up all over at our amazing institutions around the state. 
then also just farmers themselves who are just doing some of these thinking, innovative thinking within their own operation. So there's a lot of things we're thinking about for the future. And I know there's even things I, I haven't even heard about that present a lot of opportunities for us around the state. So as the department hears about these emerging topics and starts to engage with the entrepreneurs and the innovators who are going to carry them out, what kinds of things does the Minnesota Department of Agriculture do to support value-added agriculture at that point in Minnesota? Excellent question. We're always kind of trying to think again, what is the role for the department? Is there a way that we can be helpful? Are there things that we're doing to hinder you know, success and, and them, them growing as they look to really succeed in this new space? First of all, we really try and dig in and understand and, and really research what it is they're trying to do and where it's most appropriate for us to, to plug in. Oftentimes, it's either technical assistance or actually even connecting them with folks like AURI to help them understand the resources that you all provide. And that's been really uh, successful. We've had a lot of folks and a lot of great partnerships with AURI when we hear about some of these things and also the things that, that you all are hearing on the ground that you bring to us. Funding, of course, is a really great way for us to, to plug in. Again, we've got this really large corpus of, of grant dollars that were actually the old fiscal tales of the producer, the ethanol producer payments that were sort of revamped into the Agri Grant Program, the Agricultural Growth and Research Innovation Fund that, again, really seeks to what is that next thing for agriculture and how can we make sure we get the capital they need to really build and, and dig in on that. So certainly funding is a big way. Of course, we've got the value-added business grants. Um, we've really tried to think again a little bit more holistically about how we can help entrepreneurs. And we actually have something in the governor's budget right now for that very purpose to really dig in at those things like co-packing, cold storage, commercial kitchen space. We also have our, our new markets cost share program where we work with Minnesota businesses to do a lot of the building those markets domestically or, or internationally to also work on some of the, the really sort of in the weeds type of things like a food safety plan, HACCP plan, as we call it, or a sustainability plan. Some of those things that a, a small business might not have the opportunity to, to do because they just don't have the upfront capital to do so, but we can really help bridge that gap for them. So that's one way we've really tried to plug in. Also, some of the research, we've, we've partnered with AURI on, on market analysis for a lot of emerging industries that have come out of agriculture. I'm thinking of things like meat processing, like halal and kosher markets. So it's, it's a way that we can really kind of take a, a broader view of market opportunities, as well as that financial piece is, is how we've typically tried to, to plug in to help get folks get to the, the next level. And it has to be a little bit difficult to be nimble. Because uh, every year the budget is set, programs are created around that budget. As new opportunities come up, it's sometimes hard to turn the ship quick enough to be helpful. I mean, is that a, is that a fair statement? Or do you have kind of a, a mechanism to adjust quickly if you have to? Excellent question. You are so right. I think sometimes the beauty of something like the Agri-Fund that we talk about, the legislature was kind enough to have the foresight to to allow us to have some of that flexibility within the fund. Some of that's disappeared over time, but we've been able to maintain some of that. Where again, to your point, we don't know what the next big thing is or what the needs of the agricultural community is going to be from year to year necessarily. So there might be one year where there's a lot of amazing applications and ideas for value added, and we might have not as much fun or not as many in, much interest in something like our livestock investment grant that's also run out of agri. So the flexibility allows us to really 
shift funds to meet the needs of what we're hearing directly from from our, our applicants and, and our agricultural community. So that's been a really good way for us to be nimble because you're right, I think uh, sometimes folks feel like, oh, you know, the large bureaucracy of, of state government, it's going to take forever. But we have that sort of nimbleness within Agri. Also, we have been really lucky when we've set a biannual budget and then there is a supplemental budget year. We have been really lucky over the last few years when talking to legislators and coming to committees or the committee chairs and saying, here's what we're seeing and hearing, that they've been really great about giving us the opportunity to kind of dig into some of those opportunities that, that we're hearing about. So we've been really lucky in that way. But of course, the continued flexibility within Agri has been an integral piece in making sure that we can be responsive. Still do want to talk a little bit about the department's approach to diversity and, and serving the underserved, and then a little bit maybe about the current legislative session and, and how that's shaping up for you. But I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to the Ag Innovation News Podcast. It's presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota, and we are visiting today with Deputy Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, Andrea Vobel. Deputy Commissioner, let's go to diversity. In recent years, many organizations, including AURI, has found itself working with an increasing number of BIPOC clients within the value-added ecosystem. So could you share MDA's approach to diversity and inclusion? And I'm thinking how your staff thinks about it, how you talk about it internally, and how you engage uh, potential clients and programs that are maybe right now are underserved. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the question, Dan. I think this is an important conversation to have. And, you know, I'll start again, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of effort both internally within the department, but also externally. And I think the internal piece has been a really important thing that we've tried to invest in knowing that our staff, which is usually around 500 employees, giving them the tools to really understand diversity, equity, inclusion, and how that informs their work is so incredibly important. So we've worked really hard over the last couple of years to build that and make that investment within our staff. A couple of things that we've done, one is we did... Um, create a new position a few years ago, uh, just a diversity, equity, inclusion coordinator to make sure that within the, again, the agency that we've got training opportunities that we have. We started a diversity or a DEI committee within the agency that is made up of employees themselves from divisions, all of the divisions that we have within the agency to really help us and, and make recommendations to the commissioner's office about what we should be doing as an agency that we're really not thinking about or investing in. So again, that's about training. That's about understanding external opportunities that might exist for uh, for MBA that we're not even seeing or thinking about. And that's been really helpful. One of the things that came directly out of the DEI was the creation of, of a mandatory training program for all of our staff that we actually just released this year and, and did for the first time. And it's really uh, helping set the foundation and stage for our staff to understand the history of, of racism in agriculture and the absolute richness that diversity brings to agriculture and helping people understand the historical trauma that's existed for many of our, our BIPOC producers and how, again, that should inform the work that we do going forward. And that's been a really powerful piece that, that took a lot of work to pull together. And we're really excited to see and heard lots of great feedback from folks about what they've learned from that thus far. We also did, for the first time ever, hire a tribal liaison. Again, we, we have our 11 tribes uh, around the state, and government-to-government -government relationships that we have with them is incredibly important, and we wanted to make sure that we had a dedicated person that could both facilitate those conversations but also help our staff understand the importance. And we have our tribal state relations training that we've asked a number, we've had a number of staff do, and that's been really helpful in their work, again, with regulatory components but also with some of the grant and funding opportunities that maybe we weren't having those strong relationships before. So that's been a really positive thing we've done internally as well. 
since the inclusion of these new departments and the new staff, are you getting more input from the diverse communities? Yes. Sorry, I get excited about this. So I, I tend to go on and on. Another thing that we've created that we're really proud of and I think is, is really unique amongst the, the, the nation is our Emerging Farmers Office that was established a couple of years ago. As of right now, that's staffed with one phenomenal person, Lillian Otieno, who is our Engagement and Outreach Coordinator, but then also the establishment of our Emerging Farmers Working Group, which is made up of a number of emerging farmers around the state that help advise the agency on how we can better serve emerging farmers with the services that we have. Historically, we know that we haven't gotten it right. It's been services that we provide have been really difficult for people to access. Um, There's a number of barriers to understanding what things we do provide, and not only just whatever what the agency does, but also the agricultural industry as a whole, what are some things that the department can do to help with some of the barriers they're they're encountering. So that's been a really big time investment that we've made. And the governor's budget is also asking for additional expansion of that office to make sure that we're really meeting the needs. Because as as I said, we have one person in within that office and she is getting inundated with requests and needs from people around the state. So we really want to make sure we're equipped to answer and, and help those who need it. We have just the most beautiful, rich, diverse group of farmers here in the state of Minnesota, and maybe I'm a little biased, but it's true. There are so many cultures and folks coming from from all over the world to to farm here in Minnesota. And of course, you know, a lot of them share the, the same barriers about land access, about, again, accessing loans through FSA or USDA in general, uh, accessing funds from MDA, but also sister agencies here in the state. The translation issues that, you know, we just assume everything's in English and that, of course, everyone's just going to be able to access and understand that. And they've really helped us think about things very differently. And it's made us just a better agency all around. There's a lot of work left for us to do, but they've really helped us understand that that work is important and that we need to prioritize it. And I think we had a pretty good understanding that the Hmong community was here and farming and the Somali community was here and farming. But at some of the egg meetings I'm at now, I'm seeing a lot more African people than I have seen in the past. And they apparently are getting their feet on the ground and finding their place in agriculture. Absolutely. They've been just amazing to work with. Again, we have historically provided services that were not working for people of color, for immigrant producers. And they just really have brought to light a number of things that we weren't thinking about and really urging us to think differently about how we're providing services. And it's been a really good eye-opening thing for all of us at the agency, but I think it's been a really beneficial thing for agriculture as a whole to understand so many of the the things that we just were not seeing because of of the privilege we had. So as you think about what you're hearing in this current session and what the groups that come to MDA to talk to you about, are there anything that you can share with us that are some of the higher priority items for uh, people who are visiting with MDA these days? It is going fast and furious. We are so thrilled. As you mentioned, Governor Walls has been an exceptional partner and champion for agriculture, as you mentioned. He grew up at a farm in Nebraska, but came from Mankato and really understands the importance of an investment in agriculture. As many have heard Commissioner Peterson mention, we're less than 0.5% of 1% of the whole state budget and with the economic impact that agriculture provides. It's quite small, but we are a small and mighty team. We do a lot with with a little comparatively to a number of the other agencies we work with. But we've been really fortunate that the governor looked at the investment in agriculture as a really important part of his budget. So we have a lot of exciting things in this year's biennial budget. 
think between the two biennia, we have an investment of over $116.5 million. And that is huge for us. And there's just a whole vast array of things that we're seeking to look at to really build up and beef up some of the programs we have existing, but also a lot of the programs that we would like to be able to create and offer. And this gives us an, an opportunity to do that. So we're really excited about the future and the potential for this session. And I do want to close with some specific programs that MDA might offer that people might be interested in. But for those who haven't seen Deputy Commissioner in committee or don't know her, she does have a skill set that is very valuable to her position in that she can get through a lot of information in a very short amount of time if the committee chair tells her that she is limited to so many minutes. So is that something you train for a Deputy Commissioner or is that just something that comes naturally for you? Oh, Dan, you cracked me up. Yes, I've always been kind of a fast talker. I just feel like, you know, there's so much to say and think about and do and people to talk to and things to see. I also drink a lot of sugar-free Red Bull. So I think that also maybe contributes to it. But yeah, it is very useful for when the chair says, hey, you've got 15 minutes, get through anything and everything you can. I want to make sure we cover all of the very important things that this agency does. So I tend to talk pretty fast, but it has come in handy. Give me some specifics on programs at MDA that you think some of our listeners might want to know about. Absolutely. We had a really exciting process this time around where we were one of the only agencies to do an open legislative portal. So we asked for a lot of ideas from the public to just submit, you know, what kinds of things do you think the department should be focusing on? We got over 300 ideas. We did some public meetings. And of course, we met with a number of groups to talk about what it is that they're seeing and would like the agency to focus on. One of the main themes we did here is on our Emerging Farmers Office and the need to expand that, but also for services that Emerging Farmers Office could offer. Again, particularly when we talk about overcoming some of the barriers of the, the services that we've historically provided. Some of it is the grant programs that we have sometimes require quite a high match from, from those who are applying. So we are looking to, to create a new and design and develop a new program specifically for emerging farmers to access equipment and infrastructure as they seek to build and really stay here and, and make a life here. And we also have just technical assistance for emerging farmers is, a, is another big piece. Another one that we've heard from a lot of groups that's important to them is processing both an investment in capital and, and just building the buildings, but also helping navigate the system. So we do have something in the governor's budget for a meat processing navigator. There's obviously a lot of food safety regulations for good reason, but sometimes those can be complicated and hard to navigate for someone who's looking to try and get into meat processing, but also even just what funding opportunities may exist, maybe some of the local zoning issues or infrastructure plumbing things that they need to figure out. We have amazing inspection staff and so they've kindly put a lot of time into helping those who are new or prospective meat processors, but we really need them to also be focusing on just inspecting and making sure that the facilities that they're inspecting are safe. So this really would open up some time for them to focus on that, but really get those people who are interested and willing to do meat processing that we can kind of help them from start to finish. So that's been certainly one we've heard. We've also heard a lot of support for establishing a grain indemnity fund here in the state. There's a number of states around us that have a grain indemnity fund. Again, this is something to protect producers in the case of an insolvent elevator. We've had a few of those in the last few years, and we just don't really have the means to protect them in the way that I think we, we'd like to. And so governor is looking to kind of see that to make sure we've got a robust amount to start that fund and really click that on to make sure we've got enough to, to cover and make producers as whole as possible. So those are some of the things that we're hearing from people are, are really beneficial. Obviously, uh, some of the other things like biofuels infrastructure, the, the governor's always been a really big proponent of that, further investment in that, as well as our bio-incentive program, really helping uh, build up 
from, from pilot scale to commercial scale, things for like advanced biofuels and renewable chemicals. And so there's a lot that heard from people on that are in that budget. And, you know, we're just looking forward to working with Chair Vang and Chair Putnam and the rest of the committee to build that out into something that's just really, really strong at the end of this session. And if our listeners need more information about MDA, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, or the specific programs, where would you direct them? What's the best place to get that information? I would definitely direct them to our website and you just Google Minnesota Department of Agriculture and it'll take you right there. We've got all of our information about all the funding opportunities. We also have great loan opportunities, low interest loans, but you know, we also have a really great roadmap for food businesses. Just if you want to start a food business, how do you do that? There's a lot of one-stop shop resources that are on the, the agency website. And of course, you can also find my information on the website. So please don't hesitate to email at any time. I love hearing directly from farmers and producers and business owners. She's Andrea Vobble. She's the Deputy Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Deputy Commissioner, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for all you do and for all that AURI does. We are a much richer and better state because of the work that you all do. So much appreciated. Thanks to everyone for joining us today and listening to the Ag Innovation News Podcast presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. Thanks to our podcast crew, Eric Evans, AURI Director of Communications, and Lisa Martinez, AURI Communications Coordinator and the editor of this production. To learn more about AURI, you can go to auri.org.